0: Asia Tech Podcast, voice of the Asian tech ecosystem. We are live, digital lives Asia. Graham Brown and Simon Kemp in the Asia Tech Podcast studio. Simon, how you doing?
1: Very good. Thanks. Great to be back here in the world famous studio.
0: The world famous studio was the world famous Simon, and um, you've been busy. how? You've been like burning the midnight oil. Getting your report out. Something like that, yeah. yeah. So
1: we're uh, into Q3 already, you might have noticed. We're in July. So Creeping uh, up. It's the uh, quarterly stat short report right. every three
0: months. Well, what is it you do when you update it? Just that of interest?
1: I collect a whole vast amount of data. So as you know, those regular listeners, the yeah. report is sort of
0: four broad
1: kind of themes. So we look at internet users, social media users, mm. mobile users, and e-commerce users. Those are my main themes for the report. Um, on a quarterly basis, I'll update the global headline figures. So we do have data for 239 countries around the world in the overall data set. But in the quarterly reports, we usually only look at the global headlines because as you can imagine, the global mm. report is a bit of a beast to pull together. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the the main sort of updates will be to things like the internet users, and then the individual social media platforms. So we look at things like Facebook users, Instagram users, stuff like that, whatever I can get my hands on, basically. Mm. So uh, just on that, while I remember, if there are any data providers or friends of data providers listening, if anybody has global data that they are willing to share freely, Give us a wave because we're always happy to look at new data sets.
0: Why would they be willing to give it away for free? What's what's in it for them?
1: What's the main motive? I'm glad you asked. So these reports are quite fascinating. On an annual basis, more than five million reads. So they're pretty hefty. If you think about something like Mary Meeker, she gets two and a half to three million reads a right.
0: year. So you're double Mary.
1: Pretty much double Mary <laughs> Double Hail Mary. Um, so yeah, these are you know pretty broad in terms of the readership. Hundred and fifty plus countries around right. the world. So this is a great way to get the publicity for your data brand
0: out there right. in context. And a lot do, don't they? I mean, let's sort yep. of shout out to the, the contributors. So, yeah, my,
1: uh, my my best friends, my BFFs from a data perspective. So the, the principal providers for the reports on an ongoing basis are Global Web Index, Statista, mm. GSMA Intelligence, and then increasingly we're getting great partners like App Annie in there as well. So some really great sort of you know, reliable sources of global data into all things tech. Um, but the good news is that it's not sort of something that is exclusive if you like so if anybody has additional data sets and can enrich any of that then that's always something we welcome
0: asia tech podcast find out more at atp.show So that means coming into the studio today, you will have new insights and new pieces of data. Where do we start, Simon? With so much data to hand, Mm. it's like choosing between your children. It is. How how do you pick out a piece of data? What what are you going to share with us today? Surprise. So because I'm such a nerd, I'll give you the the how I choose it first. So as you can expect, I sort of,
1: I pull all of these data datasets together myself. That's yeah. how nerdy I am. So on a sort of report by report basis, I see what really stands out. And the one that really caught my attention this quarter yeah. is a dramatic change in engagement to Facebook ads. So obviously Facebook advertising is one of the most important things to brands and businesses out there all the way around the world, perhaps with the exception of China. So this has a massive impact all businesses pretty much everywhere. Now, it's important to stress this data comes directly from Facebook itself. So there should be mm. absolutely no contention in this data. It's what they're reporting within the Advertising
0: Insights tool. Um, but- Preface this as well, because you remember we did a Digital Lives Asia where you talked about Facebook fan pages on you mm. know, and struggling to get the numbers. So this that means that you've set the scene already. That mm. What's going on? so there
1: has been a significant drop in the number of people that are clicking on ads on facebook right now shall i give you the start Should yeah go for it we, can we get a drum roll
0: yeah me? yeah go for it so and the number is sorry oh i'll cut you out is the key <laughs> point go on
1: a 20 percent drop quarter on quarter now that's pretty hefty now let me give you some context to this the average facebook user around the world aged 18 to 65 plus, clicks on a median of eight adverts per month. And that's down Uh from 10 clicks on adverts back in Q1. So that's... Wow. In Q1? Yeah. So that's Q1 to Q2 data. Right.
0: And how does that sort of, do we have that by region? We have that
1: even by country. Right. So tell us what's going on. The country by country data will not be included in this specific update. But the good news is because we get to spend a little bit more time playing around with data on this show, I'm actually able to pull some of that out live Mm. on the show with you. No way. Hello, folks. We're going to do live data ring. Wow. What a surprise. Isn't it exciting?
0: So let's just kind of recap here as Mm. we build up, as we build up the expectations, been a 20% drop in Facebook clicking by Facebook <laughs> users and there is that's a the technical click for it, yeah. through so like globally 20% correct the average Facebook user right the, yeah
1: so the average user that's the median number of clicks right. so obviously a slight difference between averages and medians without getting too nerdy about right, it right. but yeah
0: okay but- it's dropped 20% in mm. two quarters?
1: No, well, that's in the space of three months, so just one quarter. Oh, right, quote, so, so that would have been reported in
0: for quarter two, right? Correct, so, okay. so that's
1: March data through to June data. Um, those are the, the months that I'm comparing. Because right, right. Facebook reports its data on a, a sort of revolving 30-day period. That's got how it. the Insights tool works. Um, and yeah, so I, I was staggered by that. And we've got Staggering. this broken down by gender, which I think is quite All interesting. Right, okay. let's do it. So. Interesting, perhaps not a surprise, but interestingly, women click on a lot more ads than men. So the average for female users, that's, I believe this is based on self-declared gender. Yeah. I'm not 100% convinced of that, but self-declared gender. Um, so females clicking on 10 adverts per month compared yeah. to seven for males. Well. Yeah, and it's important to note, just for those who do care about the sort of specifics on this, Facebook doesn't report data for people who do not self-identify as either male or female for obvious reasons that they don't want people to be able to target those users. Right. But generally...
0: Mm. we can see the trend here, right? So yeah. breaking it down, obviously, women click a lot more than men, On 50% mm. more, almost like 40% more than men do. Mm. What about uh, by region?
1: Yeah, so by country, it's quite interesting. There's some quite dramatic sort of variation. So obviously, we are digitalized Asia. So let's look at the mm. Asia story. I think what was really interesting when I started looking at the data, you've got countries like Singapore, where the median across all genders is 11 clicks. So above average. Above average. Mm. Then you've got what really surprised me, and I confess this is not what I expected at all. I'm just pulling up the numbers as we speak to check on this. The median in Indonesia is only five. Mm. Now, I expected it to be a lot higher based on other data that I've seen.
0: Especially, when, you remember we had that episode and we talked about Indonesia mm. and Facebook clicking? Correct. And from my own experience, I found that they were clicking a lot more and they were almost running down our ad account because... Mm. So overclicking.
1: Yeah, so I'm I I don't have any insights into why that's the case, and right. I think when you start looking, so let's take Southeast Asia as a really good example here. You then go up into Thailand, and it jumps up again. So just let me double check before I misspeak here. But the figures for Thailand, you're back up to eleven again. Mm. So even within what is you know, relatively small geographic space between Thailand, Singapore, and Indonesia, you've got some quite dramatic differences in there. Yeah. Um, And you
0: you mentioned Thailand before, I think maybe in our first or second digital lives as having the highest, if not one of the highest social media uses in the world, for mobile specifically.
1: Correct. So if you look at time spent on mobile per person, I'm sorry, time spent on social media per person, the highest in the world is the Philippines, almost all hours per day per person, quite mm, staggering. Mm, mm. But then you look at, so that's the Philippines, Thailand, Indonesia, Brazil. Those are the four top in the world, not necessarily in that order. So yeah, I mean, I think if you look at that, the fact that these people are spending a lot of time yeah. online each day. And admittedly, that's not all on Facebook. They'll be using messenger apps as well. Um, just because we're talking about the broader Asia story here, I thought it might be worth dropping in the stats for Japan.
0: Yes, I've just read, you, you, <laughs> you preempted it. I was writing it down, Japan. And we, we've we got a bit of a history talking about Japan on the show. We do. So what's the story?
1: So I think it's important to, to preface this with the fact that we were just talking about average time spent on social media by yeah. country. Japan, and they were, they were one of the lowest. Japan right? is the yeah. lowest. Yeah. So only 48 minutes per day per person. So wow. Significantly different. It's like, a, it's like 15, 20% of what they're doing in Thailand. Correct. Yeah. And... Reflected also in the number of times they click on ads. So the average user in Japan clicks on a median of
0: three Three, adverts per month. Come on, Japan.
1: (laughs) Significantly. What are you doing? Now, remember that... Facebook isn't the top platform in Japan. So the number one social platform is still Line, which yeah. admittedly is more of a messenger platform yeah, yeah. than a social it's not network. Really,
0: I mean, not really the same sort of level as, say, WeChat is in terms of like messenger stroke face, I mean, Correct. social media platform. is it? But I think
1: it is also important. The latest data that I have suggests there are significantly greater numbers of people in Japan using Twitter than there are using Facebook, almost double. Agreed. So that's massive difference. So again, we've we've talked about this before, I think, Mm. Graham, but one of the key stories coming out of all of this data on an ongoing basis, whether it's the ads clicked, whether it's the time spent, is that if you are a marketer or a brand in Asia, you absolutely have to plan on a country by country and even a culture by culture basis. I Mm. cannot stress this enough. So one of the stories that's been ongoing in social media marketing ever since, It began sort of 10 years ago or so is that a lot of brands and a lot of companies try wherever possible to create a standardized approach across everything that they do or even the world so i'm going to be slightly inappropriate as is usually my way do it Simon. an awful lot of global planning of advertising comes out of madison avenue or some cozy little office in Mm. london where the diversity exists in terms of you know, the, the different kinds of people that you have within society. But an awful lot of those people have relatively consistent cultural reference points. So the folks in America, whichever their racial or um, sort of religious backgrounds, will often watch similar kinds of things on TV, yeah. that buy similar kinds of products. Obviously, that is a massive generalization. But I'm, I'm talking about that in comparison to a region like Asia. And mm. I'm, I'm using the word region underlined and in bold that Asia is not a country. Same as Africa is not a country, it's not a single place. And there are dramatic differences in culture between Japan versus Indonesia versus mm. India. And I think it is really important to stress that if you are looking to achieve some kind of outcome from your advertising, which everybody should do, otherwise mm. it's a complete waste of money, you're going to have to tailor your approach, both in terms of the content that you share, but also the distribution channels you use to share that content through. Right, right. So that's my little sort of soapbox rant to start off with we can dig into that obviously all right well t-
0: let's, let's just hang in there with a soapbox mm. rant because i think that there's there's always room for a rant and i think we can we can explore we some rants. of the data it's like okay this is really interesting the data that you just shared and just for those that uh you know want to bring back up to speed on what we're talking about we are talking about the the av- the median number mm. of clicks by facebook users on advertising on facebook right mm. so um, and what you've shared with us, just to review, is that within Asia, so at the top level, there was a twenty percent drop globally mm, from Q1 quarter. to Q2, Correct. from ten to eight on a on a median average, let's say. And then, <laughs> and then we looked at gender differences. So women click more than men. Yeah. And then you you gave some regional differences or sort of country based differences. You, and the, at the top, we had Singapore and Thailand with a median of eleven. And then Indonesia was at five. And right at the bottom, we had Japan at three. And then you, you, you rightly said that you can't sort of, you know, if you're going to go into the region, you can't have a regional strategy. You've got to look at the different nuances of culture and country. And Correct.
1: So, so I think it's just important to stress, based on the numbers you've just said, that I have not actually looked at every country within the region. So I don't know if those are the extreme ends of the, the puzzle. Yeah. But nonetheless, I mean, I think... Uh, in the sort of preparations that I was doing for the report, I did have a look at a few select countries, and realistically, if you're looking at people who click on ads, you go up to about 15, and you go down to as little as one. Who, who's at the
0: highest? Who's which, do, do we I, have any in Asia that that high?
1: Not that I've seen direct off the top of my head, but from memory, yeah, so interestingly, one of the highest is the UK, so obviously not in Asia, but UK. The UK? Yeah, I was surprised too. 13 median clicks on advertising. Really? Yeah, and I I kind of was surprised by that because the U- folks in the UK and you and can I can be a cynical
0: bunch. Exactly what I was going to say. Thank you. Yeah. You could read my mind after doing yeah. the show for a while. Wow. Yeah. But the, the, I remember when when you sort of shared the data on the UK and we talked about social media usage, um, and we talked about Thailand, for mm. example, near the top, and then Philippines obviously, and then we had Japan near the bottom. <laughs> yeah. And Germany and the UK was in that group of sort of what we classed, or me particularly, classed as you know, the grumpy, <laughs> you know, old school, yeah, a little bit cynical countries, correct? Having been, you know, spent a little bit of time in the UK myself, so I think I'm qualified to talk about that. But interestingly, UK is now at the top with Facebook ads
1: in terms of great. the median number of clicks, clicks yeah. But yeah. I think what's really interesting is these countries, countries like the UK, also register register relatively high. We're having small bits of the (laughs) the studio falling apart in the background. Um, The UK features quite highly in terms of ad blocking. I'm going to have to bring that up because I'm suddenly second guessing myself. I'm not convinced right, right. that's true. But it's really interesting when you look at people that block things versus people that then do things with ads. Yeah. So you keep talking while I look for that you? Well, you know,
0: <laughs> I, I wonder. So, okay, we, we have this sort of spread of countries and the amount that they click on Facebook ads. And you, you mentioned, for example, that this basically means you can't go into a region and have like an Asia strategy. Correct. And just interesting, just before Simon came into the show, um, we had a really interesting chat with Scott Bells and Claire Ball and Scott was talking about, you know, he was talking about a client that he had, um, an American insurance company that were prepared to, and I paraphrase, invest $60 million in an Asia strategy. And he, he asked them, so of all the execs in the room, which one, which, how many of you have actually been to Asia and none of them put up their hands? Wow. But they were prepared to invest 60 million in an Asia strategy. And he said to them, okay, Asia, which country? And they couldn't even name a country. Well, they, Sorry, they didn't yeah, yeah. name a country they're going to invest in. But, you know, that's what we're dealing with here. It so, is.
1: And I think this is, this is, so for our listeners outside the region, I think it's a really important thing to stress that if you're going to get your head around this, you need to appreciate the diversity of the audiences that you're speaking to. So we was just up in KL last week. Um, and one of the things that really struck me about the conversations I was having there is that, KL, capital of Malaysia, Yeah, you've got three distinct communities within KL. You've got the local Malay community, you've got the local Chinese community, and you've got the local Indian community. They all live there. They're all Malaysians, but they have a very distinct cultural identity within that broader Malaysian identity, mm. in exactly the same way as the UK might have Scottish, English, Irish, Welsh within. Obviously, they're slightly different. Countries, almost regions, whereas what we're talking about here is people that live in the same city. But nonetheless, you know, within what is a broader overall whole, you're going to have individual identities. And I suppose the same would exist in the US, Mm -hmm. much as I'm not quite so familiar. But East versus West Coast. Yeah, can start referencing our hip hop again here. But I think you know it's really critical that marketers understand that this isn't about just economies of scale and reducing to get the most efficient amount of return on your budget. You're also looking at effectiveness. You may need to spend a bit more, but if you spend a bit more to craft that strategy country by country or culture and community by culture and community, mm. you're more likely to see a better return on those higher investments than you would if you sort of tried to lump it all together. So yeah, I mean <laughs> I find it generally ironic that you know I speak to a lot of global brands as well and they do get this whole let's have an Asia strategy. Yeah. So I think whenever Says a something strategy, my immediate reaction is pause there. You have a strategy if you're a global company, and then you have elements within it that refer to Asia or digital or whatever it may be. So, you know, your overall strategy is to succeed, I Mm. hope. And within that, you've got different things you need to do to move towards success. And some of that is going to be specific to an individual country, and some of that's going to be
0: more sort of broad and global than that
1: but yeah I think you know, well said yeah
0: well when you look at this data then mm. let's let sort of understand it in that context is that what, what is actually going on so why it, I guess what I want to ask is it, is it a qualitative or a quantitative difference you know why is Singapore twice as high as Indonesia what could be the possibility possible input factors that are mean that they're clicking twice as much on Facebook ads is it it's a more mature market it's just time is it volume of people and ads? Is it just that they're more cynical in Indonesia? What what do you think is going on? So there's all sorts of
1: things that might be contributing. Yeah. So I have to stress. We don't know for sure. I don't have any data to tell me that. Sadly, I'd love to know. Let's speculate, Simon. (laughs) My speculate. So I think one of the things is that just in terms of the sheer number of people Okay, if you look at a country like Indonesia, it's massive. I'm going to have to check my stats here because I don't know. Two hundred and seventy million. Is. But in terms of the so the in terms of the Facebook users, oh, so yeah. um, it's important to stress that typing Facebook in as the <laughs> the search query instead of the country. It's important to stress that the ad data that I'm using here is only for users aged eighteen or over, so it excludes that thirteen to seventeen year old group. Right. Based on that, um, Facebook is telling me is a very very broad base here, but it's telling me that. For Indonesia alone, 18 plus users, 100 to 150 million monthly actives. That's right. Pretty big. Yeah. I was going to profane there, trying to stop myself from swearing as much. But yeah, it's a massive audience compared to the, I think it's four and a half million users in Singapore. So mm-hmm. if you just think about the sheer inventory of potential advertising that you've got there, the chances are that people in Indonesia are being shown fewer ads. So therefore they click on fewer remember that this is clicks on a median number it's not a percentage Mm. so i think that the data that we'd really need to know is what percentage of ads shown do people click on before you can make like for like comparisons but Mm. i think that's one of the main things is just sheer. so
0: if there's more volume of ads people click on less or or more no so let me understand because it could go either way couldn't it correct
1: um there's a greater number of people using facebook Facebook. in
0: indonesia as an absolute
1: number therefore in terms of the potential inventory for advertising, it's significantly greater in Indonesia. Yeah. And therefore, the average number they get shown to an individual is probably slightly lower. I'm speculating, but that's right. my guess. If you're showing fewer ads, you'll click on fewer. I mean, that's right, okay. generally so the way
0: it works. You could log on to Facebook and there wouldn't be an ad there, right? I'm okay. guessing there's always ads. Yeah. But yeah,
1: In if you look at it in, in, an, in a feed in Singapore, for example, you're likely to see an advert every five to six posts. Right. Whereas in Indonesia, I don't know whether that is the case. Should we test that? We can. You can load it out right now. So this is one of the things that I've been looking at. And admittedly, it's quite subjective because my feed may not be the same as everybody else's. There is no way of me knowing how the algorithms for any of these platforms right. work because they're obviously a trade secret but from what i can see there are slight differences across platforms like twitter linkedin facebook and instagram Instagram's interesting it's it's currently between five and six posts per advert facebook roughly the same um so yeah i think you know for the listeners on the show have a look load up your own feeds and see how many of the posts or how frequently sponsored posts appear compared to organic so from your from your network.
0: Right, right. And, and how does that affect, so, in terms of how things are changing? So, mm. if, for example, the average, the median, I keep getting this wrong, <laughs> clicks. By Facebook users globally mm. has gone from 10 to 8. Is that, do you think being driven by somewhat the ad inventory no. or is it driven by user psychology or is it driven by a different, more, more of a certain type of user getting onto Facebook? So on a global basis, that reduction I'm guessing has very little to do with the change in inventory. No. Month uh,
1: Quarter on quarter, the change in the overall number of users is not dramatic. I don't believe that there has been a 20% drop in time spent on Facebook by users, although sadly I don't have that data. We may, and, I, and I'm going to sort of underline this as a massive speculation, we may be seeing partly an impact from the Cambridge Analytica affair, but uh, based on yeah. the other data that yeah, I've seen, I don't think that's yeah. the case. So I think we talked about this in the previous We talked episode. about it in
0: the last one, and we said that it was minor, really, the impact, wasn't Yeah, it? so
1: 18 hours yeah. was the sort of impact in terms of the number of people pausing downloads on the app, and then it went straight back right to it. Do you
0: think it impacts the trust aspect? Because, I mean, clicking ads must have a lot to do with trust. If you You don't trust the platform so much. It's a qualitative thing, isn't it?
1: It is. I think the average user, especially once you get out of... More developed nations where this is a bigger story, and I'm again mm-hmm. making broad generalizations here, but I think your average user in Indonesia doesn't have the same perspective on tying the news about Cambridge Analytica to an advert that they see in their Facebook right, feed. Yeah, that's yeah, a speculation. Yeah. I don't mean that in any way judgmentally either, but I think I don't think that's the big impact here. I'm I'm wondering whether it actually. Let me rephrase that. The impact of the Cambridge Analytica affair may be that fewer advertisers have put adverts into the feed and therefore it contributes to that reduction in overall ads that are being shown. But again, I speculate, Mm. I don't have any data to back that up. So there's all sorts of reasons why this
0: might be the case. But
1: I think the fact that we've got that dramatic drop is quite telling.
0: Is it worrying? I mean, if I was a brand or if I was a media buyer or an ad agency, what does this mean to me? Does it mean I should be concerned? So if I'm Facebook, I have concerns about this, but Right. From what I can see, and I was just reading
1: a really, really interesting interview with Mark Zuckerberg yesterday from Recode. So if you've not seen that advert, check out the Recode website. It's brilliant and really in depth. Um, interview with Mark about all things Facebook and some quite pokey questions as well. Um, it ended up causing a little bit of controversy because he misspoke about Holocaust deniers, and you know I feel from he's ended up in hot water about it. Yeah, he was yeah. speaking on a show just like this. Yeah, you know how it is. We're not going to go there. Today. We're not going to go there. Yeah. But I think you know so from, from Facebook's perspective, this is obviously concerning, but. This isn't their only ad platform and Instagram, from what I can see, is growing steadily. So mm. It is the darling of the, the portfolio at the moment. It's where all the magic's happening. I mean, growth in terms of Instagram users, it's up considerably quarter
0: on quarter. Is there Just... a comparative in terms of ads and clicks? Or... Um, I don't have... Anecdotally? <clears throat> I don't have that data. Right. Certainly they don't yeah.
1: publish that in the same way, which is very frustrating. Um, but no, so I can't see the same data for that. But in terms of monthly active users mm-hmm. and in the ad audience, very strong growth in Instagram quarter on quarter. So if you're Facebook, yes, it's concerning, but it's not the only story. If you are a brand advertiser, there's two sides to this and it depends. It's, it's the same as if you look at what happens when there are changes to the sort of stock indices like the FTSE or the S&P. When it goes down, some people see they've lost money and others to be Other people see an opportunity to invest at a lower price. So you can look at this and think, ooh, I'm nervous, should I still be advertising? And then there are other people that are going, this may indicate that fewer people are advertising. I may get a better deal if I advertise now.
0: Is that what it means? Does it mean that, you know, like, the cost per click is going to change? or it,
1: it will impact it. Whether it impacts it up or down depends on a large number of factors. So I yeah. think you know, it's important to stress that the cost of a Facebook ad is dependent on an awful lot of different factors, but one element of it is still an auction. So I make a bid for how much I'm willing to pay for a click or an impression or whatever mm-hmm. else. And if there are more people that are trying to get that same click or impression, it's going to cost me more money. If there are few fewer people that are trying to advertise right now, the chances are, the cost goes down. Now, whether Facebook gives me the full benefit of that downward trend, I'm not sure. I I doubt it. But it's still still an interesting one to explore. So if you are the sort of person that is planning your own Facebook advertising, go in and monitor this. See whether Mm. you can get some better results. So one of the things that when I'm doing my own Facebook advertising, I I like to just play around with what I can get away with. What's the lowest bid that I can put in and (laughs) still get some decent reactions from the audience. So yeah, I think these are is it a concern? Not necessarily. Yeah. I think it's something we need to keep our eye on and we certainly need to be asking questions about why this has happened. I think yeah. it's a trend. But
0: if I was a brand, for example, mm. and I guess you know any sort of brand would want to know where am I going to get the best ROI? which Which social media channel is going to deliver me the engagement results? Not necessarily the impressions. You have, for example, a lot of competition now for mm. digital media in terms of like potential channels, right? It's yep. not just Facebook. I know, I know it's a different, it's the same company, but Instagram is there. Correct. And, you know, there are options. YouTube is now a great platform, I think, for advertisers. Mm, absolutely. So what does it mean for a brand? Let's say, I mean, let's say, for example, a traditional advertiser like a, a, a P&G or a Unilever, mm. Does it impact them?
1: Yes, it should do. Um, I think so. I'm I'm going to give you a few things that we need to come back to because you know my memory is absolutely shocking here. So the first of them is ROI and you've opened the biggest can of worms in marketing at the moment, but we absolutely need to talk about that. And then I think we need to come back in to look at the difference between channels. And I think within that, we need to talk about things like influencers. Let's come back to the ROI piece now that I've set up that. I think we might, this might be quite a long show, Greg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Influences. Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. ROI, the thorniest subject. I believe we may have talked about this before, but let's talk about it again. So, ROI is 100% determined by what you are trying to achieve. ROI cannot be measured in terms of reach and engagement, and likes, and shares. These are not returns on investment of a meaningful nature. Mm. This is like, if you're training for the high jump at the Olympic games, and you're measuring how fast your run-up is, it's interesting, but it doesn't measure success. These are contributing factors to success. If you're going to measure ROI in anything in the world, marketing or otherwise, you first need to decide what you're trying to do, and then you need to measure whether or not you've achieved it. That is the ultimate, most simple thing in the world. So a lot of marketers are still looking at measures like reach, like engagement, mm. and that means like comments, Cliques. likes, and shares, clicks. Uh, unless you can make a direct correlation between those metrics and a change in your bottom line results, whether that's sales, donations, votes, whatever it is that you're measuring, those things are nice to know, but they are not measures of ROI. Right. So what you need to do instead is look at what am I trying to change? Am I trying to change sales? Am I trying to change opinions? What is it that matters here? And you need to do before and after test. There's right. a very, very simple way of doing this for any brand that's out there. And I defy somebody to tell me that this won't work for them. You've got three questions that you can ask in a something as simple like a survey monkey. Admittedly, that only goes out to internet users, but we're talking about Facebook ads here. Chances are they're on Facebook, right? Uh, Sorry, on the internet. So the first question is, have you seen the marketing activity in question? It can be a single Facebook post. It can be a broader campaign. Mm. Have you seen it or have you experienced it? Yes or no? Simple question. Second question, all advertising should in some way influence people's attitudes or emotions. That's what it's designed to do. It's not designed to force you to go out and do something against your will. It's designed to favorably influence your attitudes or opinions and your emotions. So what you're trying to do with almost all advertising is to change that attitude or emotion in Mm -hmm. some way. You know what it is today. You know what you want to change it to be. So it might be, I don't believe that this brand is for people like me. So it might not be cool for teenagers to listen to jazz. I don't know. And you want to change that so that teenagers think that jazz is cool again. This is a really bad example. Mm. But basically you want to be asking the second question that measures that change. So you either want to say, what do you think of this brand and you give people a few choices that includes the one that you are trying to change or whatever it may be so admittedly that question needs a little bit of thinking but it's still a very very straightforward question the third question is not a mandatory but it's probably the most important is how much have you spent on this brand or similar metric or have you voted for this candidate that kind of Mm. stuff how much have you spent on this brand in the previous month whatever it may be so once you've got those three questions you've got a control group at the beginning the people that have and the people who have not seen or experienced the activity you can measure whether or not you've delivered the change in attitudes or emotions and then you can see whether that delivers bottom line results it is as simple as that those three questions are all you need if you're struggling to get respondents across a broad base of the audience that you're trying to reach you can promote that survey Think through Facebook ads and you can target exactly the kinds of people that you want yeah. to reach, whether you have their data or not. And then you can track month on month whether your advertising is contributing to bottom line. That is, from what I can see in all the different ways I've looked at it, it's the simplest way for brands who don't have back-end data from things like e-commerce to track whether or not they're actually delivering ROI. All
0: right. So it, let, let me throw this out there. Is it possible that in the context of this data that you shared, that that the number of clicks may have gone down, a median number of clicks mm. have gone down, but ROI could have gone up. So people may be clicking less, but when they do click through, they're buying more. Potentially. There's is that, absolutely is that, no is that, way that, of knowing that. Right, so, but is, that, is it realistic as a scenario? Because, you know, they may be saying, look, I'm, I'm clicking less now, but when I do click, I really mean it. I really do want to engage with this brand. Is that possible?
1: Uh, I would find it very surprising if there was a 20% change in that.
0: Quarter on right. quarter. I, yeah. I'm not saying it's impossible, but... Well, it needs to be more than 20% as well, because it needs to be 20% to bring it back to... And it's, and it's a bit more as well. increase back yeah. up again. So, yeah, yeah.
1: just, just to the nerdy thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting. Why do people click on the ads? And remember that there are a significant number of reasons why people might click on an ad, and it's not always to buy something. Not all ads are trying to sell something. It might be simply mm. introducing a piece of content where they get advertising revenue. It might be introducing a, an important social cause. There's all sorts of different things that advertising might be designed to do. I think just going back to one of the questions you've asked previously about um, why there might have been a change or sorry, what, what impacts the difference between different countries like Singapore and Indonesia. I think, and again, I'm making broad generalizations that sound like judgments. They're not, but there may be a difference in sophistication between the kinds of adverts that are being no. shown in different places. So like I, like I said, this is not intended to be a judgment in any way but it may be that because people have been or businesses have been using advertising for a longer time in singapore they may have worked out what works and what doesn't it's
0: not a judgment isn't it? i mean if you use facebook yourself for the first ad campaigns you do a pretty crap and you just get better and better don't you (laughs) that's the whole that's it i mean that must be happening at a national level surely yeah and i think you know
1: again on a culture by culture basis because things are different you're more likely to find advice in the more developed economies because there's a greater amount for agencies to benefit from and therefore they publish more content that tells you what to do. Mm. I confess if you asked me what the best thing to do for a Bahasa speaking audience is in Indonesia, I wouldn't know that as confidently as I would know how to target an audience in Singapore simply because that's where I live and I'm more comfortable with the culture. So that's a really important bit and that comes back to your ROI question as well.
0: It? Could, could, could it could it ever be a situation because you know we've been on this cultural theme today we had mm. Scott in so we we're talking about empathy and so on could it ever be a situation where just people are different yeah. therefore you get different results I mean absolutely because you know back in the day when I did mobile youth is I used to go into these telecoms companies and and present about young people and mobile phones and one of the things that people Often said to me, is like, oh, it's all very well you have all this research about young people and mobile phones, but we're different here. Of course we're different and here. And that argument, we're different here, has always used to rub me up the wrong way. Because it's like, hang on a second, there's a lot more similarities. And, you know, I, I point to brands like Starbucks and so on that have been successful globally. Um, but, you know, I wonder in, in the context of advertising whether actually that could be the
1: case. Yes, yeah, so there's a really important theme you've pulled out there, which is that basic human motivations at a fundamental level are mm. consistent it's just the way that humanity is but the way that we express those and the way that we go about achieving those motivations varies considerably from person to person let alone from culture to culture yeah. so being happy one of those great motivations you and i seek happiness in different ways all right and it's the same when we when we look for a solution to a problem where a brand can provide some of that solution we'll come out with different choices so i may go to starbucks for my coffee and you may go to a sort of a place downstairs that has hipster coffee whatever it may be i'm accusing you of being a hipster yeah i've got a beard <laughs> And I think that's a really interesting bit is that even within a cultural group, we've got different preferences and different answers to the same question. So, Mm. yeah, advertising always, always needs to know as much as possible about the people it's trying to influence and persuade. Because if you don't, it becomes increasingly difficult to actually achieve what you're trying to achieve. The more you know about the people that you want to compel to do something, the greater the likelihood that you're able to compel them. Yeah, it's like a statement of the obvious right and it yet, is It is, so and it's
0: amazing that you get paid to tell people that right.
1: and yet the worrying thing is that how many companies out there are providing the kinds of information that tell you those kinds of insights mm. with all respect to amazing research companies out there far too much of the data we collect is based on things like
0: demographics yeah, it's yeah, not based yeah. on emotions and you know, it's like being in a chat room, isn't it, age, sex, location so, back in the day?
1: And it's just like your empathy point is absolutely essential. If you do not understand the motivations of your audience on a human level, you're going to struggle yeah. to understand why they do what they do and how to change that. And I think that, that's the bit. That's what, ironically, that's one of the reasons I love to collect all of this data is that once you get past these basic... Demographic questions, you can move on to the higher value questions. Yeah. So, I'll be totally transparent. The reason I give all of these reports away with the kind support of all the sponsors is that these are very basic questions mm. we just need to stop asking because we've got the answers already. Once we've got all of this data, we can move on to the higher value questions. Like, great. So, we know that people use these social channels. How do we use them more yep. effectively? That's why these are available for free. As my plug again, if you want the reports, we'll give you the links in the show notes. Keep
0: plugging, Sam. So, let's throw a higher value, higher An value question. question out there from Facebook, mm. which they they've just messaged me and say, Simon, <laughs> really really interested to hear your analysis of our latest data. What do we do about it? Should we be concerned? And uh, you've already said that they should be concerned. How do they fix it? What what is going on? And what do you? Th- where does it start? What's the sort of the quick wins here? So I think that my immediate take on that, and
1: this is a surprise question, but my immediate take on that is it's not really Facebook that need to do something better about this. It's the Mm. brands that need to do something. The the biggest determinant of whether somebody clicks on a Facebook ad is the quality of the content within that ad itself. Now you're seeing an increasing number of people creating videos. You're seeing perhaps different approaches to targeting. Different people have different perspectives on this. Nobody seems to have cracked it properly yet. So much as there are some great case studies out there of great advertising on Facebook or Google or you name it, Mm. it's not like there is a standard formula. And the funny thing is as soon as it becomes a formula that other people can copy, it loses its impact anyway. So yeah. what, what should Facebook do? I, I don't know whether there's anything that Facebook can do, especially well, in the short term. You say they shouldn't
0: be, it's not their, their issue. But but it it is, if, you, if you look at the advertising as content as they probably would like to see it, mm. then in the same way, you could argue that YouTube should be concerned if most of the content on their platform is shit. Mm. You know, they should have a minimum level. Correct. Well, they should try and raise that. And how do they do it? No, but I think if if you look at the content on YouTube,
1: it's not, apart from some very, very sort of defined uh, criteria about what they won't allow, so hate speech and And all that kind of stuff. and so on, yeah. Yeah from their perspective it doesn't matter whether you or I think that the content is crap as long right. as somebody has you know somebody's taken the time to record it and believes that it's worth sharing yeah, and
0: it's self-selecting isn't Correct. it so the, the good rises to the top right in theory but how do you so I guess that's the challenge for Facebook isn't it I mean if you, if you put out crap ads they, they pull on, they, yeah. they take them offline so well
1: I think that there's two sides to crap isn't there there's there's offensive and yeah. generally things that Facebook doesn't want on there yep. and there's just pure, pure poor quality now Unengaging. Facebook does have an issue. If the majority of advertising on its platform is disastrously bad, yeah, people are going to stop using the platform because it's just dreadful. You know, so if you if you go onto news sites, if the advertising is terrible but the journalism journalism is great, mm. you'll be put off the journalism by the those dreadful pop-up ads and the sort of looking at, you know, if if it's telling you weight loss and all that kind of right, stuff, right. you know, the suspicious ads where you kind of go, no, it's a bad place to be. So, Facebook needs to be very careful about the quality of ads on there. They do have a review process, and if they deem the advert not suitable in any way, then they won't allow it to go out on the platform. But I think, you know, in the longer term, It's in their interests to help their advertisers to understand what better quality content and better targeting looks like but they Mm. do provide a huge number of resources on that already so i don't think there's a major sort of need to step that game up dramatically just because of this that's happening now like i said i think that they need to be concerned about this change but it's like if you're an event organizer and you're worried about the weather there's not a great deal that you can do about Can't it in the short it, term, yeah. but what you can do is mitigate the impact. And I think that's the bit that Facebook's looking at already. So how do we get advertising in Instagram? They've also got things like the Facebook audience networks, which takes advertising out onto all sorts of other apps right. that Facebook yeah. doesn't own. So, you know, they, they've been thinking about this for a while. It's not a surprise that they're one of the world's wealthiest And they've got and some smart people on it, right? They it's
0: do. Like, well, what about, I mean, this idea that maybe native advertising is is, is nibbling away at sort of paid ads, you know, in this, native advertising being, for example, is where you, uh, I mean, for example, native advertising is like what Simon did just now. It's like tell people about his report, right? Mm. I mean, you could go onto Facebook and pay money for a, an ad campaign, but, right. you know, publishing it as a part of a, a conversation and putting it onto YouTube, mm. it's advertising, right? I mean, as much as this is advertising, our business it advertises you, but you're not paying for it in Correct. that sense, right? So it's editorial content without being advertorial, if you like. So, would that affect things? Is that affecting Facebook in any way, do you think?
1: I don't think that would, because the Facebook budget, if you like, comes out of the media portion. So, the way that most brands approach their advertising, their A&P budgets is that they've got one side for content and one side for distribution. And the distribution bucket, if you like, native advertising doesn't always come out of that. And if it does, when you said it nibbles that, I mean, we're talking a crumb out of a cake the size of Paris here. It's it's ridiculously And then they're not going
0: to react so fast anyway, because it's quite a new thing in that context. And I
1: think, you know, if you you look at the way that Facebook works, you could argue that an awful lot of the organic content on Facebook is that whole native thing anyway. So it's like they're still a part of that. They may not be getting revenue from it yet but they're still getting, Mm -hmm. if the quality of that content is sufficient that users come back for it again and again, then that increases the ad revenue so they Mm -hmm. win somehow. Um, So I think think for brands that are listening to this, the advice that I would give them, the first point was that whole, you need to approach country by country to get the best results. But the second one is you need to take a balanced diet approach to this. You cannot rely on one single platform Mm -hmm. regardless of how great Facebook is, which it still is. And I think it's really important to stress, for all the things that we love to bash Facebook for, it is still one of the most efficient and effective ways to reach just about everybody that matters in your audience and you know that's not going to change anytime soon so i think if you were concerned about that the easiest thing to do is to not suddenly throw the bath the bath out with the baby water the baby water yeah (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's to sort of look at that and go, okay, this may not be quite as effective as it used to be. Let me add some things onto that. I'm not gonna completely stop doing it, but I might look at how I use other platforms, whether it's Instagram or whether it's something else. How do I add things into my diet so that I still get all the things that I love or that I need, but I get a bit of variety and a bit of fun in there as well. So
0: yeah. yeah. In the same way where we talked about Facebook fan pages, Mm. there was a time when you could set up a Facebook fan page, get a million followers, And you use that as a sort of a key driver for your business Mm. and your marketing. And that sort of has gone away. Yeah. And then they they put in the whole idea of boosting posts and so on. Yep. That's happened now. And even those boosted posts are becoming less effective. So in the same way, maybe we're seeing that sort of cycle happen with Facebook ads Mm. is that they've been so successful that eventually what's happening is they're becoming a victim of their own success. Now now yeah. you can't just do a Facebook fan page. You can't just do an ad. You've got to do the whole thing yeah. and do all of it.
1: Yeah, and the reality is that as more and more brands come onto Facebook or any other platform, it gets more cluttered, it gets more busy. There's only yeah. a certain amount of time that people are spending on there and there's only a certain number of ads that they will see within that time. And ironically, the ones that are getting the highest bids are the ones that get shown. Mm. And as a brand, you've sort of got to look at that thing. At a certain point, Either I may no longer be able to afford this, or it may long may no longer be the best use of my budget. So you need to be thinking about that. Yeah. Like I said, though, it's still by far the the first choice. If I'm building a business today of my own, it's probably the first place that I would look at to spend my money.
0: Yeah. It, was there any ever any parallels with Google at AdWords, so pay-per-click and so on. Mm. Do we see any trends there that so happened over time? I
1: don't have any... Uh, I've been trying to dig this data around. I don't know whether mm. it's just because I'm being blind and can't find it. If anyone from Google's listening, I, yeah, I really yeah. want the stats on this. Can you send them? Um, I don't have as many insights, but I think it is really important to make a balance here. Google AdWords and Facebook advertising are two different stages in the purchase cycle. Google AdWords serve a function when somebody knows roughly what they're looking for. Right. Facebook is a great way of raising awareness. It does a lot more than that, but... From my, again, this is me talking about the the way I would spend my money it does what it does best is it reaches an audience that may not know about my product or service already I think that for me is the most impactful use of that budget is increasing awareness like I said there's all sorts of other things you can do you can even do a buy it now you'll have seen these the retargeting it's called so you went onto a travel site and you saw that lovely villa in Bali and then it follows you back to Facebook so that is a good use of I kept
0: having this thing like these pictures of socks appearing everywhere (laughs) I was going why why do these socks keep popping up and I realised because I went to Amazon they re- retarget makes yeah and lazada do this great as well yeah. so you'll see that
1: you look at milk on lazada and then it follows you onto facebook which is fascinating yeah. so i think you know what, what's great is that you've got these different options and i think you, you want to balance diet that again so you've got yeah. facebook you've got google you've got all sorts of other things out there and i think that you know if you look at the way that budgets are spent the absolute vast majority of Advertising dollars on the internet go to one of those two companies. Yeah. You do have many other options out there. Those are not your only options. Yeah. Um, but I think you know, just looking at those two, don't make an either or on those as budgets. I think you need to identify at which point in the yeah, purchase yeah. journey you need to influence people most and then make a choice based on that.
0: Good advice. Do you think there's ever a, a, a case that maybe retargeting has reduced the number of clicks? because? That's, I mean, I'm just sort of speculating here. If I saw sock ads <laughs> 10 times, sock ads, yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's not new content in that mm. sense. And I can then go and click it somewhere else. I could have seen it first on Facebook and it could have followed me to Lazada back to Facebook through whatever means retargeting me constantly. And I could have bought it, clicked on it finally somewhere else. Mm. Is that, could it ever be a case that retargeting could be nibbling away at the, the the ad clicks?
1: It may play a
0: role, but again, I'd be
1: surprised if that contributed to a 20% decline. Right. So uh, yeah, I, mean, I would love to just go and ask Facebook, and say, yeah. what do you think? But, yeah. not what do you know? Um, but I think, you know, let's monitor this over time. I think this is a really important story quarter on quarter. I would not be in any way surprised if we get into the Q4 report and the number shoots back up again. So this yeah. may simply be a seasonal thing. We're talking about the World Cup being World on. Cup,
0: Simon, how did we get this long without talking about the World, the World Cup, Cup and advertising?
1: Dropping it in. Yeah. Uh, do, do we want to talk about. Should we
0: talk about influencers and come
1: back to the World Cup? Or? Well, do we have time? Let's <laughs> talk
0: about influencers. That's the, whole, that's the whole. Do we have time? No, we, we're coming up to the end of. We, Goodness, we, already. It's like 50 minutes. So. Wow. We can't do influencers. That, <laughs> we we can't do them justice in five minutes. Yeah. Um, why would the World Cup have influenced things? Just
1: the, the, the amount of time that people spend on different platforms. Right. The, the World Cup takes up a significant amount of free time over the yeah. last, what, four to six weeks, right. <laughs> showing my, my sort of naivety yeah. here. Um, now, I'm, I'm not going to, again, pretend that that contributed to a 20% global decline in Few Facebook done. ad clicks, but it may have played a small part in that. Yeah. Um, I think the when, when you look at the way that people spend their time on Facebook and what it is that they're looking for, mm. that's most likely going to be the greatest determinant of changes. and. We've we've seen, and again, this is this is these are global figures. So I am hesitant to give individual examples of this. But from what you see in Europe over the last few weeks, there has been an amazing heat wave, a very rare yeah. thing across Europe. People therefore spending more time outside, therefore spending less time on Facebook. The less yeah. time they spend, the less they click on ads. Now. People are still clicking eight times a month versus 10. Right? When you look at that in an absolute number, it's not like a scary sort of right. difference. But, you know, you add that up across two billion people, that's kind of terrifying.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of input factors going on here. We're, we're
1: talking about 4 billion ad
0: clicks. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. You heard it here first, folks. Do you uh, just, I'm just speculating again. It's that, you know, okay, so we've had some really interesting ideas about why this may have gone down. Mm. We, we, we are hypothesizing, we but, are. you know, it, that's all we know until... You know, Mark Zuckerberg comes on the show and reveals all. He'll be here next month. He'll be, exactly, we don't know anything. And, you know, so obviously the World Cup was one idea. Heatwave was another idea. We talked about, for example, like, you know, maybe there was a fatigue of advertising. We talked about retargeting. um, all, all, All sorts as well. And differences between different markets as well. And then… Um, Cambridge Analytica as well. Cambridge yeah. So the trust part of it mm-hmm. as well is how important that is. And you, you rightly said this is, a, this is a challenge for brands more than it is for Facebook, yep. which is interesting. And you, you you imparted some advice as well. Three questions you've got to ask in terms of ROI, which is great. Um, there's a lot of information in there. I just mm. wonder, you know, as well, we talked about the number of median clicks. Mm. And I'm not going to go into median versus average because that's a whole different thing entirely. <laughs> Do you think, for example, there, there would be an interesting experiment to, to learn the number of median clicks divided by the number of ads seen?
1: If we could get that data, that would be fascinating. Unfortunately... There is no data that I have seen yeah. freely available, at least, that tells me how many ads the average user right, sees. Because
0: right. that, that will that will give what you said, for example, about you know the World Cup and the heat wave and so on, means mm. that people have less time on Facebook. Yeah, so that I, would I, affect
1: it. I want to stress that those are going to be minor, minor influences. I don't know. So. I mean, you know, on a, a global long, basis. Yeah,
0: but there could be, for example, that people are just fatiguing on Facebook, and that would be revealed, for example, by that, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, and I think fatigue is one of those things that we need to look at in the broader context of social media anyway. So we've already seen ongoing trends in the amount of time that people spend on Facebook going down. So we're talking like decreases of a minute here and a minute there, but they're still meaningful once you add them up across 2 billion users. So yeah, I think in the whole of this, I would say that these are important things to look at. They're important things to factor when you're planning. I would not make any dramatic changes based on these numbers yet. No, yeah. But I would suggest... Be very, aware, be very aware of that trend. Come back again when we do the Q4 yeah, report yeah. and let's revisit those numbers and see what happens. Because if that decline continues, then we need to be asking ourselves the question of if people are clicking on fewer and fewer ads, does that mean we just need to do um, a reach ad instead of a click ad? That yeah. may be another reason why I completely forgot. Yeah. Maybe just yeah. like people don't need you to click on it for the ad to succeed. Um, so, yeah, sort of. Looking at that in a longer term trend perspective and asking whether that means you need to change your approach and your strategy mm. to advertising. But also start now. Start looking at what the alternatives are. If Facebook closed down tomorrow, if they refuse to have your ads on Facebook, what would you do? Because mm. you need to be ready for that. You start can't be overly dependent on just one thing.
0: Yep. The balanced diet. Absolutely. As he's mentioned it. All right. So before we, we give you the native advertising opportunity to (laughs) shout out your report. (laughs) Um, And you've already put the call out, interestingly, for those people who may have another level of insight to add to what you're doing there. So there are people sort of involved in this at different levels, not necessarily in Facebook only. There are people who analyze and crunch the data and people who work on campaigns as well who may have insights. Correct. In that case, how do they reach out to you? Because they, they by sort of interfacing with what you're doing not only can add value to the project that you're you're you know you're creating here but Mm. also they can get a lot of insights and help shape what they're doing what what kind of people and how do they reach out to you
1: so basically anybody that has data it may be a research company it may be an ad agency that plans these things that has insight tools that allow them to collect data that they are allowed to republish and that's a really Mm. important part you have to have the sort of the ability and the permission to republish this data. Um, But yeah, anybody that has things that offer, sorry, things, data that offer insights into internet, social media, mobile or e-commerce use around the world, and it needs to have that global perspective to it. I can't only take data for one country, certainly. Um, But yeah, so the Obviously, all my contact details are at the end of each report that we publish. But for those who want it now, the easiest way to find me is on Twitter as Eskimon. The reason that people would do that is these reports are designed to be a community resource. So we make them available for free. Sure enough, they serve a little bit of a marketing purpose for me and my partners as well. Mm. So Hootsuite and We Are Social, give the shout out to the folks who make these reports possible. Um, But nonetheless, they are designed to be a community resource. So anybody that wants to help the rest of the community and the industry to understand and get past those lower value questions... uh, I would be very grateful of the contribution of data and assistance.
0: Excellent. And where do we find them? So
1: the reports will be available on SlideShare, and they will also be available, I would imagine, on the We Are Social and Hootsuite blogs as well. We'll also be publishing the first round of content on the next web. But If you want to see them as soon as they're published, the easiest way to do that is to follow me or connect with me on social media. So Eskimon on both Twitter and LinkedIn.
0: Simon privilege thank you so much for sharing your insights today Thanks, and the Brent. next one we're gonna go a bit deeper maybe well i know we, we just so people know hmm. when how this show happens is that like before the show simon rocks up with a few surprises and he tries not to give me all the data but there was there was also we had to choose today we between did. two data points
1: i'm not going to tell you what the other data point uh, is we'll tease that for the <laughs> next show but um, the next one also comes out of the report, but I'm going to give you some additional perspective. Right. So one of the things about these reports is that they offer the data, but they don't always offer the full story behind the yeah. data. And that's what this show is all about, from stats to stories. Um, so the uh, stat that we're going to be exploring in next week's, next month's...
0: Don't do it. Don't, don't give it away, Simon. No. I need, like, top level. I'm just going
1: to give you a, a Game of Thrones yeah, okay. <laughs> sort of cliffhanger here, um, is the most profound uh, impact on the use of the internet over the next twelve to eighteen months.
0: My right, expectations are high. They should be. Simon Kemp, Graham Brown, in the Asia Tech Podcast Studio, doing Digital Lives Asia, turning stats into stories. Simon, thank you so much. Thanks, for You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at ATP